Good morning, everyone. Today, we are going to be diving into our final teaching in the Touchstones of Prayer series. Now, I don't know about you, but I personally have been incredibly blessed and humbled as we've learned about prayer together as a church. I mean, I even got my very own prayer partner out of this, and let me just say it has been so, so good. Now, over the last few weeks, we've learned about what prayer is, what it requires, and what it gives. Pastor Andrew showed us the simple beauty of prayer as a conversation, a duty, and a balance. Pastor Ben reminded us that when we come to the Father in prayer, we come not as pagans of performance, but as children of grace. And Pastor Calvin encouraged us that prayer has its perks, that when we pray, God gives us his perspective, his power, and his presence. Now today, I'm here to talk about where prayer takes us. I mean, we've talked a lot about what it is and how we're supposed to do it and even what we gain from it. But did you know that prayer is actually supposed to take us somewhere? You see, prayer is kind of like, like going on a road trip with your best friend. There's a starting place, there's a direction, and ultimately there's a destination. Okay, you might be thinking, Caitlin, I'm lost. How is prayer like going on a road trip? Well, here's our big idea for today. You ready? Prayer takes us on a journey from honest petition to peaceful surrender. Let me repeat that. Prayer takes us on a journey from honest petition to peaceful surrender. Now, I don't know about you, but when I first think about that, I, I have some mixed feelings. I mean, the first part, the, the asking God for things with honesty, the, the lifting up my prayer request to him, that sounds awesome. Like no problems there, right? I mean, if we're really being honest with each other, that's probably the easiest part of prayer for a lot of us. But the second part, the, the peaceful surrender part, hmm, well, that sounds a little bit scary to me, right? I mean, when we think about the word surrender, it, it doesn't sound that fun or, or peaceful. It sounds hard. Surrender sounds negative, like, like we lose and someone else wins. We think of the things that we don't get to do or what we're going to have to sacrifice or let go of. I mean, for me, uh, growing up, you know, all of my energy went into pursuing this particular future. My life was focused on, on getting the best grades so I could go to the best school, become successful in my career, have a family, and live a secure life. I mean, I'm not asking for too much, right? But then one day, God called me to surrender those very plans to him. And he re redirected me to a calling that would take me onto the mission field for the sake of his glory in all the earth. Surrender is scary. Why? Well, because we don't like that. We don't like sitting in the uncertainty. We don't like to give up control. I mean, we want things done our way, on our time, in the way we imagined it to be. You see, guys, in, in prayer, you can't do that. There is no room for that in prayer. 
Like, think about it, right? When we pray, we're praying to someone. When we close our prayers, we close them in someone's name. And whoever's name that is, is the person who you're ultimately surrendering control to. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never heard someone start off their prayers by saying, uh, dear Caitlin, or oh, gracious and, and heavenly Andrew. <laughs> I, I've never heard anyone close out in Calvin's precious name we pray or in the powerful name of Ben we pray, right? At least I hope not. No one, no one says that. As Christians, as followers of Christ, what do we say? We say in Jesus' name, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're talking to God, the creator and Lord of the universe. And each time we pray, we're saying, okay, God, you're in control. You're in the driver's seat. Each time we pray, we are surrendering our control to him. Remember, prayer takes us on a journey from honest petition to peaceful surrender. Now, let me ask you a question. Why is it that even though we pray to God, even though we pray in Jesus' name and we acknowledge that God is indeed in the driver's seat, why do we still have trouble letting go of the steering wheel? Why do we try to backseat drive? Why do we try to tell God that he's going too fast or too slow or that he's going in the wrong direction as if we know better? I'll admit to you guys, you know, in real life, I'm, I'm guilty of this. Sometimes I can be a backseat driver. You know, I can't help it. You know, like I freak out if, you know, my friend or my parents or whatever, they don't brake fast enough. Or I, I think that they don't see the pedestrian that's coming up ahead or they're going too fast or too slow for my taste. Like I have trouble letting go of control when I'm not the one driving. And the same thing happens in prayer. But you know what happens when we can't let go of control in prayer? It's not just simply um, getting annoyed. <laughs> we start to feel disappointed when our prayers are not answered. Or we get upset when things don't go our way. And we begin to question God's presence or his goodness when our circumstances don't change. You see, guys, here's the bottom line. Prayer can't take us anywhere if we can't give up control. It's a tension, right? It's a tension between our will and God's will. Our desires and God's desires. Our perspective and God's perspective. Now, I'm not saying that those things are always opposite or that our desires are, are bad. I mean, we may be praying for very good things. But unless we address this tension, we won't go anywhere. In his book, Tim Keller talks about this very tension. And the way he frames it is this. There's a, there's a delicate balance between persistence and submission in our prayers. On the one hand, we're invited to honestly and persistently make our requests known to God with confidence that they will be heard. 
And on the other hand, he reminds us that the final thought of every prayer must be deep acceptance and surrender to God's will, whatever it is. In order for prayer to take us from persistence to submission, from honest petition to peaceful surrender, we must be willing to let go of control. Now, there is a prayer in the Bible that captures this tension very powerfully. Though simple in words, it is deeply rich in content. And it's the very prayer that Jesus himself prayed in the events leading up to his death. Now, let's set the scene, okay? We're, we're in Luke chapter 22, verse 39. And here you have Jesus, and, and he and his disciples, you know, they just had the Last Supper. He already identified Judas as the one who would betray him. He already foretold of Peter's denial of him three times before the rooster crows. He knows what is coming, and it's just moments before it's going to happen, and Jesus decides to go and do the only thing he knows to do, which is to talk to his father. So together with three of his closest friends, he goes to the garden of Gethsemane to pray. And it says this. And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Jesus was in agony, knowing the pain he was going to face the next day. Not just the physical pain, but the emotional, the spiritual pain of being separated from his father as he carried the shame and the weight of the world's sins upon his shoulders. And what does Jesus do? He prays. He prays in desperation, saying, Father, please, if you are willing, would you remove this cup from me? Dad, please, can you just take this all away from me? Do I really have to go through all of this? All of the pain, all of the suffering, the beating, the mocking, the agony. Dad, please, don't turn your face from me. Don't leave me alone. And it says that he was in such agony and such anguish that as he prayed even harder, he began sweating blood. And can you imagine being in such torment that you started sweating blood, drops of blood falling to the ground? And yet while Jesus presented his request to his father, at the same time he prayed. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Wow. Do you guys see the tension in the story, in this prayer? 
On the one hand, you have Jesus willing to have this, uh, you have Jesus's will, right? His desire to have this cup removed from him. And on the other hand, you see Jesus surrendering to the will of his father. Jesus anticipating the unmeasurable pain of God's wrath on him, this cup that he was to take, asked if there, there was any other way, any other way. He came before his father and he prayed an honest prayer, a raw prayer. He humbly laid down his requests and he asked boldly, and unapologetically, he basically said, God, you know, if I could have it my way, I'd want something different. Please, Lord, if you can, if you're willing, take it away. You see, even Jesus in his prayer encountered this tension. His will versus the Father's will. But the prayer doesn't end there, right? He finishes by saying, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So even after bearing his heart, presenting his desires to God, he holds it all with open hands. He lets go of control, surrenders his will, his ways, his desires, and he gives himself up entirely to the will of the Father. And you know what? Because he surrendered, we have the gospel today. Because he set aside his own preference, we have salvation today. Because he let go of control, we have new life in him today. And because he trusted in the perfect will of the Father above his own, we have hope. Prayer takes us on a journey from honest petition to peaceful surrender. A few years ago, I, um, I was meeting up with a student. Let's call her Sarah, okay? Um, we, we got along pretty well. Um, we were pretty similar, you know? And so we decided to make it a, a regular thing. We met up every week and... For hours, we would just talk about life and faith and everything in between. But while this was happening, she was also going through a lot in her life. And it took a toll on her. And slowly, I saw her start to lose her faith in Jesus right before my very eyes. Until one day, she confessed to me she didn't believe in God anymore. I was heartbroken. I was devastated. We would still meet up weekly and talk about these things, but each time was heavy and honestly just very sad and discouraging. Each time I would go back to my car and I'd sit there and I would just, I'd just cry. I, I remember just praying so desperately God, would you just save her? Would you just make her believe in you again? Would you please help her find hope in you again? Would you just take away all of her pain so that she could trust you again? 
so she can know that you're real, that you see her, that you care for her. Please, God, save her. I know you have the power to do it. So why don't you do it? Guys, every week, the same desperate prayer. But nothing happened. In fact, each week, it seemed as if she just drew further and further away from God. Why? Why, God? I don't understand. I don't get it. Aren't I praying for a good thing? Isn't her salvation a good thing? Don't you want that too, God? Why? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever prayed so hard for something that was fundamentally good and you keep praying and you keep asking and you know that God has the power to do anything he wants and yet still nothing happens. And then you start to pray harder and more frequently and more desperately, right? I mean, because that's what people tell you to do and still nothing changes. You don't get it. You don't understand why God won't answer. And you start to think that there's something wrong with you. And then you start to get angry at God. And you ask, God, are you even there? And ultimately, one day you give up and you just stop praying altogether. And what's the point, right? You are not alone. And I've been there too. I was stuck in that place too. I was mad at God too. You know what? I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I have the answers for you. Because I don't. I, I can't tell you why God isn't answering. I can't tell you what his greater plans are supposed to be. I can't tell you just to wait it out and that God will answer in time. I really don't know that. No one can know that. But you know what I do know? I know that God loves you. And I know that because he loves you, because he knows what is best for you, like a parent knows what's best for their child, he's going to answer in his way, the better way. And it might not look the way you or I had hoped. And it might not happen in the timeline that we set, but no matter the results, no matter what happens, we can trust in the goodness of God's character. We can trust in his good plans that see beyond what we can see or know on this side of heaven. We can trust that he is our father, who desires to give good gifts to his children, that he's working all things for our good in his glory. And you know how we can trust him? Because we look to what he did on that cross. Jesus wasn't the thing that people were expecting. He didn't come in the way that people were hoping. He wasn't what they were praying for at the time. But God knew. He knew. And it was ultimately by his sovereign, supreme, and surpassing plan that he sent Jesus to the cross 
to be the savior and the hope of the world. What a good and trustworthy God we have. Guys, when, when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray in the Lord's Prayer, he tells them to pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, Jesus, just like Jesus in the garden, he calls us to pray the same prayer over our lives, over our circumstances over our desires. God, would your will be done. You know, but we often misunderstand this. Don't get me wrong. When we pray that prayer, when, when we surrender our, our wills and, and yield to his control, it's not that we just give up and do nothing now. Because surrender is not about the things that we lose in this life. It's about the things that we gain in Christ. It's not passive indifference in our circumstances. It's active participation in the will of God. When we yield, it's not to shut down and let God just, you know, get on with it. It's a joyful acknowledgement of his sovereign power and authority over all circumstances. And a willing obedience to work alongside him to fulfill his purposes. Even though there seemed to be no progress in Sarah's life, I ultimately surrendered her salvation to God. I didn't just give up on the situation, but I continued to pray. And we continued to meet every week. And even though she still didn't believe, I still made an effort to tell her, how much God loved her every single time. And each time, even if there was no change, I continued to pray desperately to the Lord for her. The circumstances didn't change, but I changed. And as I began to trust God with Sarah's life, he gave me the strength to pray, not my will, but yours be done, Lord. Prayer takes us on a journey from honest petition to peaceful surrender. As we started off by saying that prayer takes us on a journey, right? And the first stop on our road trip with God is honest petition. It's a, it's a persistence in prayer that asks boldly and honestly as a child asks their father. But as we've seen through Jesus' own prayers, through his own teachings, the final destination in prayer is and must always be surrender. And that's a hard thing to do for many of us. It's, it's hard to let go and to trust, believe me. I know. But you know what? As we pray, as we surrender, God ultimately provides the peace and the strength that we need to do it. I mean, remember Jesus in the garden. After he prayed that simple prayer, it says, and there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. God's answer to Jesus's prayer was not to remove the cup, but rather to provide the strength to endure it. And just like that, 
we can trust that God will do the same for us. Philippians 4, 6-7 says this, Do not be anxious about any, anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, once again, Paul doesn't say that all of our requests will be answered. But he, he does say that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, which doesn't make sense in our human minds, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And how? Well, I think it has to do with those last three words. In Christ Jesus. It is in Christ Jesus, in his presence, in his will, that we find our peace. Peace doesn't come when our circumstances change or we get what we want. Real peace, true peace, lasting peace comes when we enter into intimate prayer with the Father. And when we are securely surrendered to his perfect and faithful and sovereign will. You see, that's where prayer ultimately takes us. It takes us on this journey from honest petition to peaceful surrender. Church, as we close, I invite you to do something right now. I want you to hold your hands up in a fist, almost as if you're gripping onto something. And I want you to think about something that you've been praying for something that's been on your heart lately. Maybe it's your own plans for your life, your career, your relationships, your hopes for the future. Maybe it's your children and your desire for them to have a good life. Maybe it's for the future of CLC and, and the season of transition that we're going to be entering into. Maybe it's prayers for someone in your life that doesn't know Jesus yet. Or maybe it's, you know, it's our community right now and, and the suffering of our people during this time. Whatever it may be, I invite you to come to the Father in prayer and cry out to him in honest desperation with these requests, knowing that he hears you and he loves you. I'll give you just a few moments to do that right now. And now I invite you slowly open up your hands in a posture of surrender and in faith if you might be so bold I invite you to pray these words to our gracious and trustworthy father not my will but yours be done church may the Lord give you the strength to continue to pray to endure to have faith and hope in whatever you're walking through. 
And may the peace of God and the presence of Christ Jesus, which surpasses all understanding, come over you as you trust and as you surrender your lives to him today and every day. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you for your loving kindness and your constant faithfulness. We praise you for your infinite wisdom that sees beyond what we can comprehend on this side of heaven. We praise you because you are our good, good Father who knows us intimately and who loves us deeply. Lord, help us. Help us to trust you when we don't understand and when we feel like giving up. Send us your angels to strengthen our spirits, Lord, and, and give us your peace, which surpasses all understanding as we surrender and pray. Lord, not our will, but yours be done. In Jesus' powerful and precious name we pray. Amen.